Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. This episode is the final part of our current Life of Abraham series. Lead pastor Jeremy Flanagan explores the kind of faith that God wants us to have in him. Jeremy challenges us to turn our faith into actions that follow God's direction for our lives. For more information about small groups, Pathway Kids, or anything Pathway-related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com slash connect. Two weeks ago, we talked about how uh, Abraham was called to, to let Ishmael go and the difficulty he had there. And today we wrap up the story of Abraham. Uh, and yeah, there's a story about his death and what happens between Ishmael and Isaac and some other things there. But today's the last real story of Abraham that we really learn a lot from. And it's where he has to be putting his complete trust in God. And so today as we talk about complete trust, as we've looked through Abraham's life, we'll talk a little bit about some of the ups and downs and uh, everything else. But in the end, he was somebody that finally put trust in God in a way that none of us really probably will ever be asked. I mean, anywhere near it. Uh, And so how did he get to the point where he was willing to trust God completely? Uh, You know, um, trusting people is not always the easiest thing for any of us. Some people are more trusting than others. Some people are trusting to the point of gullible. Uh, And then other people are so non-trusting that it offends their friends and family because they won't even trust them on little basic things. Uh, It's difficult to trust people. I'm one of those people that's kind of in the middle but leans more towards it. It's hard for me to just, you know, release things. Even people that you know well, good friends or family, if it's something that causes fear, if it's something that you have anxiety over, if it's something you're really worried about, um, it's hard to to trust anyone to take that off your hands and just release it. Uh, How many of y'all have ever done, I need to have, you know, we need to have a Zoom meeting with all the people who are watching at home so I can see all the little squares up in the uh, monitor in the back so they can raise their hand, but uh, how many of you have ever done a trust fall? Okay, a lot of people. Trust fall, it's like the quintessential activity for group building and everything else, right? You take a group of people that you don't even know, and then you ask them to not let you hit the ground. Uh, if you've never done it, it's where you're standing pretty much on about a four-foot platform, and, uh, and then everybody lines up on both sides. They put their arms out, and then you know they count down from three, and then you're supposed to just stand there and just fall backwards into their arms. Um, I've done it quite a few times. I've done it when I was a youth pastor. I've done it before. Uh, I've done it on team building with, um, with college students. Uh, deacons, the next deacon lunch that we have, if y'all are game. Okay, okay. anyway, so, um, but a trust fall, I mean, I, I did it with a bunch of, you know, 12 and 13-year-olds, and, you know, I'm a big guy, and they were scared to death that they were going to drop me. I was a little bit scared to death they were going to drop me, mainly because a couple of the teenage boys I knew well, um, and uh, I could see them organizing a, a boycott just for fun. But, uh, you know, I mean, really, anybody can be caught when you have about six or eight people sitting there working together. But the whole point of the trust fall isn't for the people catching as much as it is for the person falling. Because you are asked to completely override your, your natural reaction to falling flat on your back, especially from a height even of four feet. You are asked to, to just hold still and fall straight and, and just believe that they're going to catch you. And, you know, the first time everybody does it, everybody flinches some, right? Everybody flinches some. A lot of people flinch a lot. 
Uh, the only time I've ever seen people who, who almost hit the ground or even hit the ground a little bit is when, you know, they started to fall, and then it's like they're doing a cannonball in the pool. That they, just, they didn't stay straight at all. They literally just, like, got up and fell straight down where only, like, one or two people were there to try and catch them. Uh, and then one time it looked like one person was like, a, you know, a cheerleader who's up on the top, and they let them go, and they twist in the air. And someone started falling, and they just twist middle of the air so they can try and catch themselves. And I'm like, uh, I don't hitting my face. I don't think it's any better than hitting the back of my head. But when they turned forward, they started pushing at people's arms and grabbing, and people didn't, you know, want to whack them in the face, which happened. And you know, the trust fall only goes badly when people don't trust the people catching them. And when you try to fix it, or when you cannonball down, or when you do something else, is when it doesn't work. And that's kind of how. You know, faith works as well. But the second time you do it, you know, the first time you did it, you, you, you'd never done it before, they caught you. The second time it gets a little bit easier to stay straighter. And the third time you do it even more so. And, you know, hopefully you can get to that point where you just are able to fall back and you know how it works and you know they're going to catch you. And faith works a lot the same way. It's difficult the first time that you are asked to just trust in God in a situation that you don't know how it's going to work out. In a situation where you haven't experienced it before. In a, in a matter where you, it's something that causes you fear or anxiety. Maybe you're being asked to sacrifice something that you want to hold on to. Maybe uh, you are having to give up something that you've worked hard for. Maybe it's just something that you like to control your steps and God's asking you to take a leap of faith. Having faith or trust complete trust especially in God it's more difficult the first time but it gets easier it gets easier but even in the life of Abraham you see even into his old age he still had trouble always trusting in God it is a continual effort to release and to let go and to just believe in what God says it is an effort that you will have to work on through the rest of your life but through all of Abraham's ups and downs he was remembered as a man of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2, and we're going to spend most of our time today in Genesis 22, but in Hebrews 11, it tells us that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now, this is kind of called the hall of faith, and it talks about some different individuals, and down in verse 8, it starts talking about Abraham, and it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home, and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. In verse 10 it says, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. If you remember, she didn't always believe that. But in the end, she did. In verse 12, And so a whole nation came from this one man who is as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. So if he is this great man of faith, and if that's how the New Testament talks about him, then why do we read so many stories where he doubted what God said, or where he was scared that things weren't going to work out well and he took matters into his own hands, at times using deception, as we've seen in two different stories, 
to try and work things out on his own. How can somebody be known for their faith when they still have so many failures? Well, the book of James also talks about Abraham, and he shares why he is best known for faith, not failure. In James chapter 2 and verse 21, he says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? That's the story we're going to read in Genesis 22 here in just a second. You see, his faith in verse 22 and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. So when you read this passage in James, it talks about the the fact that the reason that he's known for faith is because he acted on it. Now, there was never a point in time that Abraham didn't believe that God was God. There was never a point in time that Abraham doubted that God was the one true God. There was never a point in time that Abraham doubted that God was right. There was never a point in time, I think, that Abraham had any you know, wavering there whatsoever. But there were still multiple moments in his life where he didn't, his actions didn't show that, all right? We all do that. Even if you believe in God and even if you trust in God, there are going to be moments where your actions don't, don't mirror that. People can't look at you in the way that you're living and see that's somebody living after faith in God. James said that he was known for faith. Why? Because in the end, what he did was a monumental act of faith when God asked him to, to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And because he actually took action on it, that's why we remember him for his faith and not his failures. Even though his life and our lives are going to be filled with both. And so just because we mess up, just because we have those times that we know God's God, we know that, but we still doubt. We know God's God, but we still try and handle things on our own. We know that God is in control, but still yet we try and keep our hand on the wheel. Even though we have those moments in our life, if, if through the course of things we can learn from it and let it help us grow to trust in God more, then people will start to see us as people of faith when they watch us walk after him. And so that's our goal in life. Isn't to be the Abraham that doubted God, but it's to be the Abraham that grew in his faith over time to where when God asked the absolute most of him, he said, yes. So we're going to read in Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read 14 verses here, the first 14 that give us this story. Just to uh, recap a little bit, we saw last chapter that um, uh, Ishmael was a teenager, his first son that was born uh, through his wife's servant. Uh, and that was a story where Abraham had doubted God, uh, that God was going to give him a child through his wife, Sarah. And so his wife doubted that as well. I mean, it says in Hebrews that she believed, and she eventually believed, but she kept doubting the whole way. How is this possible? How is this going to happen? I know God's God, but I just don't see it happening. So she had faith in God, but she wasn't acting on it. And because she wasn't acting on it, it led to mistakes, it led to problems, and it, and it led to them having a son who Abraham loved, loved him and everything else, but Sarah and Hagar, uh, her servant, came at odds. Then uh, Sarah was angry with Ishmael, 
And God told Abraham to send them away. And he said to send them away, but I'm going to make a great people out of Ishmael. I'm going to take care of your mess, which God had done before with Abraham, right? When they first got to the land of Canaan, and then there was a famine, and they had to travel down to Egypt. And Abraham thought that they're going to kill me because my wife is beautiful and they want to take my wife. But if I say she's just my sister, they'll give me presents. And it worked for him. But God had to step in and fix that mess that was caused when Pharaoh took his wife away from him. That happened later in life. We looked at how Abraham makes the same kind of mistakes, just like we tend to repeat the same kind of mistakes. And he doubted God again that he was going to be taken care of. Uh, he was scared of this man Abimelech and others. And he, he deceived them again, and God had to step in. And here with Ishmael, God stepped in a third time, even larger time, and said, completely release your son, who you love, because it's through Isaac. It's through the son that I promised you would have. It's through the son with your wife, who I gave a promise a long time ago. That is who I'm going to build your nation through. So let them go, and I'm going to protect Ishmael, and I'm going to make a great nation out of him as well. And so Abraham had to trust that he could release Hagar and his son Ishmael into the desert and that God would keep them alive and grow him into a great nation. Now, by the point in time we get to this story today, I believe it doesn't go into detail, but we know that Ishmael still had contact with Isaac and Ishmael still had contact with them at the death of Abraham. I believe that Abraham knew that Ishmael was alive that Ishmael not just simply lived, but that he had been taken in by others and that he was growing a family of his own and growing into a large people of his own. And Abraham had seen God fix his mistakes time and time again. And he saw that every time I don't trust in God, it causes problems. Every time I do trust in God, like the time that Lot was taken captive and Abraham and his people defeated a giant army, Trusted God to do it, and God helped them, and, and they succeeded. Every time that he saw that God would provide, like when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but he gave the opportunity to save Lot's entire family, and only Lot and his two daughters took it. But, God, but Abraham saw, if you follow God, it works out, and if you don't, it doesn't. He had had so many successes and failures in life that he learned from both of them. He learned from both. Larry says all the time to us, you know, never let a mistake go to waste. You know, if you don't learn from your mistakes, then you just wasted it. You spend a whole lot of capital. You spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort to mess up and to deal with the consequences. Learn from it. And so Abraham had done that. And now he was to a point where now Isaac was older. And Isaac was, the, and Abraham was older. He knew that he didn't have much longer to live. Isaac was the son that God had told him numerous times, this is the boy. Not a son, Isaac specifically is the son through whom my promise will be fulfilled. You're going to have a great nation through. And now God was calling on him to sacrifice his son. Sometime later, Genesis 22 and verse 1, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, and he took his servant, two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. 
On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. In verse 6, it says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Which, I, Isaac is older at this point, and I'm just wondering, is it out of shock or is it out of fear that Isaac sits there and lets him do it? Because um, I just, I can't see being in an Abraham situation being asked to do this, and I can't see an Isaac situation saying, I'm faster than you, old man. And uh, as he gets the rope and is trying to tie me up. But uh, I just always try and picture what is going on here. Um, and so in verse 10, I, Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Verse 12, it says, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So let me just get past a couple of quick things. Some people say, and look at this, and say, it's barbaric that God would ask Abraham to kill Isaac. Yes. And it's clear throughout Scripture that God is against human sacrifice, especially the acts of child sacrifice, uh, with, typically with babies and everything else that were done in multiple pagan religions in Canaan at that time. So actually, sacrificing your kid in the name of what you're worshiping was not uncommon then at that place. Um, but for the God of the Bible, it's clear through Scripture that, it, that he hated that practice. And so God's asking Abraham to do something that he specifically outlaws and says that he hates. God's also asking him to kill his son, which is the specific son that he said, it's Isaac through whom I'm going to bless you and create a great nation. And Abraham knows all this. Abraham knows that what God is asking him to do doesn't make sense. He knows that what God is asking him to do completely goes against the other things God has said. And so, God, if you say that this is the son you're going to provide a nation through, that's your promise, but now to take his life, God, I don't see how this works out. That math doesn't compute. I, that, those two things don't work together. And Abraham's not incorrect. And that's where faith comes in. Faith has to be based on an object that you can't prove, right? Faith by definition, is believing in something that you don't know exactly how it works, you don't know exactly how things are going to go, you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be, or even if you trust that you know all of those things, you can't prove it. That's faith. If, it, if, if you can prove it, then it's not faith. That's just knowing, right? I know why the sun comes up. I can't really explain it to you. 
Uh, I can, you know, tell you the world goes around like this, and there's a stick through the middle, and that's why, things like that. But uh, as you can tell, I'm not really big into astronomy. But I can tell you that why gravity works, or I can tell you at least the, you know, the rate at which stuff falls. I can tell you a few things like that that other people have proven. That's not faith, that's just knowing. Faith in what God tells us is always based on things we can't prove. We just have to trust. And so, so many people look at what the Bible talks about with placing your faith in Christ for salvation and say, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why God wouldn't just take everybody to, get to heaven. And it sure doesn't make sense if he's going to make a way to go to heaven that he has to sacrifice his own son to do it. God could have done it some other way. Which technically is true because God is God, but God requires a perfect sacrifice and the only perfect sacrifice is himself. And so, in all the things that we read in scripture and all the things that God asks us to believe, it takes a measure of faith. And in this one, it took a huge measure. Abraham had come so far in his life in trusting God. First picking up, you know, he was following his father who was going to the land of Canaan, but his father passed away when they were near the border of Syria and Turkey. And Abraham was then, God called out to him, and Abraham still went. Abraham still picked up, and he still went to a land where he had no security to go. He, he made big mistakes and tripped up. But here now at the end of his life, he had seen and learned from his mistakes then he had seen what happened and how God had blessed greatly in those times where he believed and followed. And now he is faced with a tough choice. I'm being asked to do something that will invalidate the promise God made, which is impossible since God made the promise. And in my mind, the only way that I see Abraham looking at this situation and being able to go forward is that if God said that Isaac, not some son out there, not some, you know, but this boy specifically, if he is the one through who God is going to fulfill his promise, then either somehow God's not going to allow him to die, or the God that I just watched destroy two cities, the God that, that has, you know, has given many different signs, the God who has done many miraculous things, that God can bring him back to life. Because it's through Isaac that God will fulfill his promise so no matter what I do here, God will still fix things. You know, that's a, that's, a hard, that's a hard decision to make, obviously. And so many times, we have that same idea in our mind that God's going to fix things, but it's, we usually say that when we're doing something wrong, right? It's like, well, I know I'm messing up right now. I know that this isn't what God wants me to do, but I'm just going to pray that God will fix things. That's not how faith is supposed to work. Because God doesn't always decide to fix our messes. Sometimes he lets us live in them. But if we move forward in faith that God is going to take care of things, then if you're having to sacrifice something that you don't want to give up, then God's going to make it worth it. It's not that he's necessarily going to give it back to you or that you're going to get something greater in return, right? Don't listen to all the preachers you hear on TV. Um, but that God will make it worth it. Following God is always worth it. If you have to go a different path in life that is more difficult than the one that you had planned because that's the path that follows God in the way that he's leading you, then it's going to be worth it, and God will always make it so. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I mean, Abraham's this man of faith, right? Abraham's this guy that did this great act of faith at the end, 
And still yet he went through famines, was scared for his life at least twice, took all of his people into battle where they could have all been killed, um, you know, saw cities destroyed, lost family in it. I mean, life wasn't easy. But as long as he kept following in faith after God, God always made it worth it. And then, just Genesis 21, you've got the story of the family problems, the family breaking up, losing you know, that close relationship with his son. Man, it's tough. Really, really tough. And God said, even through that, you know, this is your mess, but I'm still going to make it worth it. I'm still going to take care of it. Every time we do what God asks us to do, even if we don't understand why, even if it seems like it goes against all of our own logic and reasoning, when you trust and have faith in God, then he takes care of the results, not us. And Abraham had to, at that moment in time, after seeing all of these things, and then especially, I believe, having to give up Ishmael and then watch God provide for him is the only thing in my mind that made him say, then I'm going to trust if I have to give up Isaac and even take his life myself, that God will take care of it. Like I said, we're not ever going to be asked to do something like this. We're not going to ask to, be, to go this far or, or anything else. Because even if you had to you know, release your children and trust that God will take care of them, it's not having being asked to take their life. But Abraham showed faith. You know, after this was over, in verse 15, it says, Then the angel of the Lord called the end to Abraham from heaven. And this is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your, even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because... You have obeyed me. It's amazing how well things can work out if we just follow God. It's hard to do it without question. You know, this, this week when we were in Colorado, we were on a rafting trip. And, uh, and, and I asked Luke at the end of it, because when you're in a raft, you've got a guide in the back, and they're telling you exactly what to do, exactly when to do it. And if you don't, then the, you know, the boats turn around in circles, you're... You're going to flip and everything else. And at the end of it, I asked Luke, I said, how was it watching your dad take orders from somebody for two and a half hours and doing exactly what they said without question? And he said, it was great. To which then I turned at Luke and said, see, it is possible. Anyway, he caught on real quick what dad was getting at there. But for that two and a half hours, I wasn't in control. Now, I've canoed a lot and everything else, and I could have done all right, but that guy at the back had a lot more experience than me, and either way, he was the guy at the back. He was the guy in charge of the boat. I was the guy in the middle. It was my job to listen and to do what he said exactly when he said it, not to question it, not to do what I thought would work, just to go with it. And guess what? We did it at the end of the day. We were all all right, mostly. Um, you know, it, it was a wonderful trip. Jessica had a hyperextended knee. Uh, the next day, the, the foot that I have life. If you've ever been in a raft, you have to lock one foot and leg in there. And that's you're like flopping around like a rag doll sometimes. That's the only thing that keeps you in the boat. And so the next day, she has a knee that she can't walk on. I literally, I could raise this leg to the side, but I couldn't lift it more than about an inch off the ground for a day. So every time I got in the car, I had to grab my shorts and lift my leg up there into the car. 
Luke was fine. He runs cross country and he's 15. So he's like, what are you, what's y'all's problem? But, uh, you know, it was a fun trip. But for that two and a half hours, my job was to listen and to do. Even if, because of my canoe experience, I'm sitting there thinking, really, I think if we would just back here a little bit, it would turn us the other way. But I'm like, no, he's in the back. The guy in the back sees everything. The guy in the middle doesn't. The guy in the front sure doesn't. But that guy in the back sees the boat, he sees the river, and he's done it a lot more than me, and so he knows what to do. So I trust, and I stick it up there and and then go back when he says forward, and I put it in there and lean back when he says back. And that's what I did. And it worked out. In life, I'm I'm not that good with God. I question him a lot more. I'm not as quick to react and to say yes. I make way more mistakes than Abraham does. I try to take things into my own hands and determine my own future much more than he did. My exploits luckily are not recorded in Scripture for everyone to look at and say, why was he so stupid? Only people closest to me that see me make those dumb mistakes say, why is he so stupid? But the rest of you can still think I'm still halfway smart. Um, Abraham, we get to see all his mistakes, and then we get to see his successes. And his successes only happened... When even though it didn't make sense, and even though it was hard for him to let go, he trusted God and said yes. You know, God tells us that if we will place our faith in him, that we can come to him, we can trust in him, we can lean on him, we can ask him to to take care of the things in front of us. And it may not turn out exactly like we wanted, but then we still need to just trust that the outcome of following God is what's best. You know, it's a great thing if you've ever, you know, if you exercise your body, that your body gets in better shape and then it's easier to do the things that you want to do. And, uh, you know, the older I get, the more I realize is that it's harder to exercise and get my body into shape. And no matter how much I exercise and get my, try and get my body in, in shape, it's not going to be like it was when I was 25. Just, it's not happening. And so that's why I'm walking around a little stiff today and uh, going to take a big nap when I get home. Because I'm still tired. But I'll tell you with faith, the longer you go, the more you live, the more you see both the mistakes and the successes. Your faith can get stronger if you'll learn from it. But it only impacts your life and others when you follow. You will always believe in God. You can always believe in him. But it's when that belief also turns to following him that it truly makes impact. When Abraham followed God, it blessed the world. I want to close with this passage of scripture for us today in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. As our worship team comes forward, we prepare for a time of response. This passage tells us because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I can't imagine Abraham walking for those three days to sacrifice his son, doing it boldly or confidently. But still yet at the end of it, he raised his hand and was ready to follow God. I can't imagine him not questioning as he took those steps, but still at the end, he moved forward and did what God asked of him. You may say to yourself that you're not a person of faith because you doubt, or you're not a person of faith because you fail. So was Abraham. 
So is everybody listed in Hebrews 11. So is everyone that has ever lived that we even call somebody that is an example of faith. The difference is whether or not we learn from our mistakes, we learn from our successes, and we let that experience help us grow over time to where we can trust more and more with every decision. And let me tell you, if you will say yes more often than no, you'll learn faster and the faith will grow stronger quicker. Learning from mistakes is a way to learn, but it's slow and it's painful. You can decide right now that I'm going to say yes, even when I don't understand. I'm going to watch what God will do with it. You will never be disappointed. You never will. Even when the results weren't what you expect, at the end you'll see how God is working in your life, and it'll help you trust even more. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Him as Savior, you know that passage there that we just read? talks about how that our faith in Christ allows us to come to him with boldness and with confidence and if you don't have that if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as Savior if you've never accepted the fact that he is who he said he is then I would love to talk to you today and I'd love to show you from scripture any questions that you have but once you place your faith in him it's not that your doubts go away it's not that life becomes easy it's not that the decisions always make themselves and everything is all peachy But it's that when you say yes to God, you'll know it's the right decision, even when life's still difficult.